Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, this morning, everybody, um, we've been... Uh We've been talking about the year of the table and uh, encouraging everybody to, hello, firstly come to the table of the Lord through salvation, number one, number one, but also uh, inviting, encouraging everybody to bring people to the table of the Lord. But I really want to just talk about uh, faith today because I think we just got to, uh, in this era, really, uh, I see from when I became a Christian, how many years ago now? 40. <laughs> Cheapest. But uh, from where I became a Christian to now, the loss of understanding about Christianity is huge. And, uh, and I think even in some of the great churches around the world, uh, there's some things that we're going to have to be very careful about around the world because sometimes I'm listening to messages and I'm thinking, I'm totally motivated about me, but I don't understand the gospel. I mean, I'm talking about, I'll hear messages in different, I'm like, that message just totally motivated me and... I feel great about me, and that's really good. Nice, I feel encouraged. Good if you feel encouraged when you come to church. Hope you do. But really, we need to know what is the foundation of Christianity. And by the way, everybody, it's not a motivational message. I'm not going to get invited to too many conferences, I don't think, these days. Because they're inviting a lot of people on how you motivate the crowd. But Jesus didn't go around trying to motivate crowds to get his conference numbers up. He wanted to bring truth to our, to our lives that would bring freedom to us. Let me say it again. Jesus wanted to bring truth to our lives so that we would have freedom. Hello, but number one, that we would have him and have salvation. So, um, so I'm not putting down being motivated. Be motivated. <laughs> it's great. But, you know, I, I did see a pastor tweet recently, and his tweet was, um, what was it? Uh, you are enough. Yeah. So anyway, and I was like, well, heck no, I'm not. <laughs> so, because without Jesus, I am not enough. Hello. And I can't do life. So when he tweeted, hey, you are enough, I was like, yeah, we're really getting, we're getting into trouble here because we're moving into motiva motivational speak, but we need to be very careful that we're sticking with Bible speak because the power is in not a motivational talk, but in having the real Christian walk. That's where the power is. So, and let me just remind everybody today that the Bible talks about the power that is involved in being a Christian and being uh, in God's family and when you're saved and then the power in the church. I'll just give you a couple of scriptures. Romans 1.4 says, And through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Hello, the power of God, not the motivational discussion of God. It's the power of God to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, which is the non-Jew. Uh, so everybody, Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. I'm not ashamed of preaching the gospel of salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us a motivational talk. No, it gives us power. 
love and self-discipline. For the spirit of, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, isn't that true? You change from fear, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. And then Colossians 1 says being strengthened with all motivational talk. <laughs> now being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Hello, we're in need of great endurance and patience, everybody. And the Bible is teaching us there that you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So I need the power that God gives. And you can excite me and motivate me, but without His power, I am not going to endure. I'm not going to be patient, particularly on Perth roads. There we go. (laughs) Could you move over to the left lane? Anyway. I got an amen over here. Acts 19. Look at this, Acts 19. Here's the early church. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in motivation. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. It grew in power. Everyone, if you're walking with the Lord, your life will be filled with power. There is power to change you. There's power to be free. There's power to serve the Lord. There's power to do things that you normally would be fearful of, but now God empowers you to be able to do that. Yesterday, um, our first grandson, Joel, had his first birthday, and uh, he had a little party, at, and uh, they had a little function room for him. And when I went, it was so beautiful. Nathan and Kerry had a whiteboard for and on the whiteboard, it had all things about my one-year-old grandson. It had his favorite songs, his favorite food, these, the words he's speaking, um, you know, uh, his favorite books, his favorite Bible verse. His favorite, it was just on and on and on there. And I was just looking at going, you know, because Sue and I are from such broken families, the two of us, such broken families. Um, you know, my parents, my dad was alcoholic. My parents divorced. They should have divorced when I was about four. They didn't. They stayed together. And uh, that caused immense problems for the children. And then, uh, and then Sue's dad, he's married multiple times. And so I'm looking at the guys honoring uh, their one-year-old, and I'm thinking, I don't think my parents knew where I was until I was five. <laughs> and when they found me, uh, most of the time my brother and I had injured ourselves in the back garden on a lump of wood with a nail sticking out of it. I kept a, a casualty unit in Sydney going I, when we were under 10. I don't know how many times I went to that casualty unit, but it was a lot. And I'm looking at, in one generation, given, uh, Sue and I becoming Christians at the end of our teen years, that here's our son and his beautiful wife, Kerry, honoring their little boy who's arrived on the planet. And I was actually touched and healed by seeing it because I thought, wow, Lord, your power, your power to change a, a life and then a family, a life and then a family. It was just, it was just a board of honor, and he's one years old. And I'm sitting there going... I don't think my parents even knew where I was. <laughs> where were we? In a back cupboard or back room or somewhere up the garden, you know. But, uh, and that, they didn't mean it. It's because of their d- brokenness and their pain. But it goes on generationally. But here's the good news. The power of God can break it. And you can have a new life. Your marriage can be healed. Your family can be healed. Your kids can be healed in Jesus' name. So, um, so the Acts 19 20 says, in this way, as I said, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. But you need to say, hang on, if I've got no power, what am I doing? I've got to get some time with the Lord because here's a good comment somebody once said, if you're strangers to prayer, you are strangers to power. 
You're strangers to prayer. You're strangers to power. One of the greatest things you can do if you're a new Christian is get your garage and move your car out and shut the door and walk around your garage and pray. Lord, save me. <laughs> Lord, save me. I'm not sure if I'm really saved. Save me. Lord, save my children. Lord, save my grandchildren. God, do your work in my heart and in my life. Begin to walk around and pray. I began to pray in the Holy Spirit as uh, into my teen years. And I remember my mom saying, come inside. Your dinner's ready. And I didn't want to come inside because I could feel the power and the presence of God working in my life uh, at that uh, time of my life. And I believe some of the prayers I prayed back 40, 35 years ago that I'm the recipients of that today in Jesus' name. So I've got to tell you the title of my message. I've entitled my message, True Faith, not because everything I'm going to tell you, I don't, I don't want to say everything I'm saying to you is true faith, but it's, it's that at Global Heart, we're trying to aim for what's real. Aim for the truth. Aim for real. Aim for authentic. Aim for it. I don't think you can ever say, I'm a real Christian. Gee, you probably aren't now because you just said you were. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that went. Anyway, so we need to just say, let's aim for the true faith. Let's aim for authenticity uh, because that's where the power is in your life and that's where you see that's where you see God moving. That's where you see what God wants to do in and through your life. You know, Matthew 7, let me read you this. I don't hear this too many times these days, but we need to be reading, hello, the Bible. And, uh, and this one says in Matthew 7, 13 to 27, Jesus challenging everybody. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Down to verse 21, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a woman who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and its collapse was great. Last part there, Jesus is reminding everybody, storms will come to your life. Say it again, Jesus is reminding all of us, storms will come to your life, everyone. God never said you won't have storms. In fact, he's declaring they're going to come. He's just saying the outcome of your life after the storm is determined by what you've built your life upon. So what you've built your life upon. So Sue and I, as teenagers, after coming from, you know, broken family for generations, alcoholism, mental illness, depression, this was us generationally. Sue and I held hands and said, Lord, help us now to build our house upon you and upon your word. And then when we said, okay, and you've heard me say it, I said to Sue, I hope the Bible works. <laughs> what do you think? I hope this is true. And we held hands and said, I hope it's true. I hope it works. When we began to build on God's word, listen, storms hit us. Storms hit us. Life had big challenges. 
the weather came, the cyclones came, but we're still standing because we no longer build on us. We build on him. Jesus is saying here in this passage, it is critical for you to discern the, tr- to discern the truth from the false. Jesus is saying it's critical, everybody. In this passage, he's saying to everyone, listen, spiritual teachers are going to come along, but you need to be very careful to discern what is true from what is false because sometimes it's hard to see. And as I said to you right now, uh, the church to kind of win people is moving into more of a motivational stream than a truth stream. And we have to be real careful to go, hang on a minute. That is very motivating, but that's not the Bible. So Jesus says we need to grow in discernment. We need to grow in discernment. You need to grow in discernment, everybody, and you need to think through things. I'm amazed how undiscerning people are with relationships. It just blows my mind how people will say they meet somebody and they're like, oh, my gosh, and that person goes, oh, you're amazing, and then you go, I'm amazing, and then you must be amazing because you think I'm amazing. And, And then the next minute they're doing life together, and I'm like, you know, really? I think you need to just slow right down there. And just think about that. If you do a 44-point check with your car through the RAC for a car, you might need to do a 44-point check on him before you hook up. (laughs) Or a 44-point check on her. So I just need to slow down here because there's a whole lot of lovely, merciful people who now want to kill the person they're stuck with. (laughs) Sorry, I've been on holidays. I've been on leave. I've been on leave. I've been on leave. What happened is mercy without boundaries has taken them into things and into relationships they probably not have been, should have been in. So, listen, God will work with what we give him, right? God will work with what we give him. But it's good to say, hey, I need to stop now. One of the great things about hitting your head against a brick wall is when you stop. And so in life, that can be in relationships, that can be as a Christian, that can be, we need to say, Lord, I need wisdom here so that I am now on a healthy path and taking me to the true, not to the false. In Jesus' name. So Jesus says, right, enter through the narrow gate. You know, it's very interesting, right? Look around the world right now. You would think that all the churches, we're saying, hang on, just come in motivationally. Jesus said, no, it's narrow. In the, if you look in the Greek words for narrow and broad, narrow actually it means hard. Jesus says, enter through the hard way. Sorry, everybody who came to be motivated this morning. (laughs) I'm going to motivate you through the hard way. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. It's through laying your life down to follow him. Jesus says, and that Greek word for, uh, for narrow is actually, it's harder. We don't want anything hard now. I want my coffee at the drive through window. I've been sitting at the drive through now for two minutes, people. Hurry with that coffee. Do you remember when you made a coffee, got a coffee at a restaurant, you'd order it, half an hour later, they'd bring it out? All the old people go, yes. And now it's like, see, we want want microwave Christianity. Uh, Jesus, you got a minute and a half to sort my life out. Get my wife, get my husband, get me a new car, Lord. Oh, you know, it's been good. <laughs> so, 
And as you heard me the week before I went on the holidays, I must be fresh, eh? This is getting a bit full on early. <laughs> when holidays, you know, um, now I forgot what I was going to say. But, <laughs> but people want the easy path. When Jesus said, no, enter through the narrow gate, the, the way to destruction, Jesus said, is actually the easy way. It's broad. And many, many go through the broad way. But Jesus says, that is not the path to salvation. The path to salvation is narrow. Here's a thought, everybody. The path to salvation is not through your broad opinion. When I, when I came to church, I had so many opinions about Christianity. I think God should be like this. Anybody ever, anybody ever designed your own shirt, gone to Asia, designed your own shirt, designed something? I've done that. I did a suit once. It was a bit wacky at the end when I got home, but it looked good in Asia. Anyway, <laughs> in Perth, it was a bit like, mm, you know. Some, some of us are doing designer Christianity. God, I think you're like this because that's what I think. I think the church should be like this, God, because that's the church that I see. And God, I think you should be a little bit nicer on that, a bit harder on that. God, I'll, I'll just design the God I want. And then we go to church and we worship the God of our design. Unfortunately, you're in the Broadway because that's our broad opinion. When Jesus said, whoever wants to, you know, if you want to follow after me, he says, if you lose your will, you'll find it. Jesus said the best way to find yourself, everybody, the best way to find yourself, what now in the world is, it's like, what, what feelings are dictating me? What I, who I am, who I am sexually, who I am as a person, who I am with, all my feelings. And then Jesus comes along. Oh, my gosh, Jesus, you are so challenging. Jesus says, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself. What does he mean by that? He means lose yourself to me. Lose yourself to my will, and I will bring out who you are all your gifts, all your talents, everything that I've created you to be, because I'm the designer, I'll bring it out and you will be fulfilled. Did you get that? Jesus said the best way to find yourself is lose yourself. Because what he means is, when I got became a Christian, I can remember I was who pain and the world had now made me. Pain, the world, and, the sin, and sin had defined me and defined my opinions, my viewpoints. And so I had to say, whoa, all right, Jesus, this Christian deal is a challenge. <laughs> he said, yeah, narrow road, narrow path. I went, okay. He said, lose yourself and you find yourself. I went, all right, over to you. I want to follow you now. Lord, I lose myself to you. What, what, do you. what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And then I began to discover, oh my gosh, what God is doing is actually bringing out who I really am. The more I got to Jesus, the more I became who I really was. The more I got to the world and the opinions of the world and the opinions of my Self and my brokenness, the more I became like the world. Gee, it's better when you become who Jesus has made you to be. For everybody who's already a Christian, this, this is happening around the world everywhere. I see it all over the time on Instagram. People are going, you know, I'm looking for my tribe, and I found my tribe <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, yeah, here am I with my new tribe at church, and I found my tribe, and... And I'll talk to you, particularly young adults. Anyway, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and they're talking about their opportunity. I meet people and they're frustrated about, I'm just frustrated as a Christian. I'm just frustrated about my opportunity. I'm just frustrated when it's come. 
And I realize that they don't realize they're not asking the right question. All the frustrated Christians around the world, and I'm like, they don't realize there's a question that they're not asking. And here is the question. The question is, now I've forgotten the question. <laughs> Listen, when you've been on a break, you know, <laughs> the question is, what church do you want me to be planted in, Lord? 1 Corinthians says God sets the members in the body. He sets them. And usually he's brought you there. People, God brings us to a church and then we can't see the place he brought us to because our opinions are involved again. Our thinking's too involved. And we're like, what is it? You cut off your, your nose to despite your, despite your face. You just can't see. You're there. And, but they're like, where do you want me to go? And we're looking through a glasses lens of where is my opportunity in the kingdom? Where's my opportunity? Where am I? And we're looking. Where is it? I'm not feeling it. Are you feeling it for me? Is this it? Will be, he be there? Will she be there? Will they be there? Is my role there? And then they find people who look like them, sound like them, and dress like them, and then they're on Instagram. Hi, I've just found my tribe. <laughs> and picture of all the church home group. Hey. Everybody, I'm helping you today. I'm helping you today. That has nothing to do with the Bible. The Bible is, where have you set me, Jesus, and who do you want me to serve? Where have you set me, and who do you want me to serve? Where have you set me? 1 Corinthians 14, God sets the members in the body. Who do you want me to serve? And Jesus says, as you serve them, lose your life, you'll find it. But I don't relate to these people I'm serving. And God says to you, I never once asked you to ever did I ask you to relate anybody you're serving or serving with? Not once. Find the scripture where God says, find those you relate to, look like you, sound like you, dress like you, are in your kind of cool niche area of Christianity. <laughs> Christian niche, that's cool. Jesus never says that. He says, go there and serve those people. I've had the most random life of finding my tribe, and none of it's been flesh. God goes to me 19 times, go to Kiev, Ukraine, to Ukrainians. I'm like, go to Ukrainians? They have that communism and all that stuff. I don't go there. What am I going there for? God's like, that's who I want you to serve. 19 times. I've got to Barcelona. I like tapas. <laughs> God's like, no, no, no. It's going to be Ukraine for you. Then God goes to London. Go to London. Serving British people, serving all the creatives in London. Then God goes, go to Perth. Gee, Lord, yeah, I can relate to everybody all over the world. No. God goes, go to where I want you to serve me. Serve there, serve there, there. Serve him, serve her, serve, serve there. And in doing so, you'll be in my will, and you'll actually find also the relationships I'm calling to you to will come to you. Ooh, in Jesus' name. So Jesus is saying everyone is on a path. But there's consequences for the path we choose. Jesus says everybody in life is on a path, but there's consequences for the path we choose. Um, and uh, when people say, oh, I don't want to choose, then you've chosen. Because every path, whether you choose it or not, has consequences. And we've already chosen. And your spiritual beliefs, everybody, and the spiritual path are taking you somewhere. 
Your spiritual beliefs, your spiritual path are taking you somewhere. And we need to be careful because the modern mindsets today are saying, oh, oh, there are many roads leading to one destination. Many roads and they're leading to one destination. So everybody's kind of like, it's all whatever you feel. Truth is, truth is relative. What you feel is truth. You know, people say, oh, this is my truth. Well, truth by the very nature of the word truth means this is actually literally true. So when people say, this is my truth, no, that's your denial to truth. That could be deception to truth because you're actually saying this is my truth, which already is telling us, well, it's probably not true because I cannot make something a truth whether I feel it, whether it's my experience, whether it's my upbringing, whether it's my opinion, whether it's because I read three books, it's either true or it's not true, right? So we need to be very careful because Jesus is incredibly intolerant. Some would say, oh, how intolerant, Jesus. No, Jesus wants you to have truth because he knows the enemy is a deceiver. The Bible says that the devil, the name of the devil is the father of lies, did you know that? The name of the devil is the father of lies. So he's deceptive. So Jesus says to us, listen, there is only, there's two, there's the narrow road and the wide road, wide path. One leads to heaven and one doesn't. So the world teaches all paths are all the same and they're all leading to one direction. Jesus says, no, no, no. There's two different directions and two roads. We've got to realize, hang on, Jesus has been clear here. There's two roads. John 14, 6, Jesus says, listen to this, very, very non-inclusive. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. He's letting you know, everybody, if you want the way and want the truth, he is the path. And he goes on and says, basically, that no one comes to the Father. Listen to this. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, for some people who say, well, I think that's a little bit non-inclusive of Jesus. Listen, you're not the son of God who was beaten. <laughs> One, you're not the son of God, yeah, just to confirm. <laughs> but who was beaten and tortured and mocked and scarred for you. He is the God who suffered so that you would know he understands your suffering. And he's the God who suffered so he can take your suffering. And so when God's only son, the son of God, gave his life on a cruel cross and was mocked, betrayed, and the father turned away because all of your guilt, all of your sin, all of your shame went on Jesus, he is able to say, no one comes to the father but through me because I'm the son of God and I did it all for you. Mm. Some people say, oh, well, I'm not really a faith person, so I don't really get that. And I'm not into faith. Not really. Listen, there's so many things that you're doing every day by faith. You got in your car this morning by faith. Um, you can't examine love. Some people, I love my wife. Well, we don't know if that's true because you can't examine love. You, so there's no scientific way that you can examine love. You can't examine uh, relationships. Everybody's operating by faith. You go for a job by faith. You get engaged. Well, I'm not 100%, but by faith I get engaged. You're operating by faith every day. You're, you know, you get in your car, that'll turn on. Turn on a tap, faith, 
the water will come out. We're operating by faith, but relationships are by faith. And there's no empirical evidence that says that your love for your children or your husband or wife really exists. Yet it does, right? So I want to tell you right now, my faith in God for 40 years is real. And it exists. But what happens is we say, I'm not really into faith when I want to put God away. (laughs) That's what we say. But we're operating by faith all the time. You know, Christianity doesn't say I believe in reincarnation. It says I believe in incarnation. That is that God became flesh in Jesus Christ. And by the way, reincarnation for everybody over here, it became quite cool for a while. Everybody's getting into reincarnation. And, but reincarnation, that, that, or samsara, the life cycle in Hinduism, people want to get away from that thing. Because you don't know if you're a beggar in India. According to that teaching, you're there because something you've done wrong in the past life. How do you ever know what it is that you did wrong in the past life to put you in this place as a beggar in India today? That is a cruel faith. How do you know? How did you get here? So people ignore the beggars and walk away from them because you were bad in the last life. Listen, God took your sin and suffering so seriously, he came and died for it. Jesus took everybody's pain so seriously, he came and died for it. That's why so many Hindus have become Christians because Jesus lifts us up out of our pain and lives us, lifts us into new life and into eternal life. Listen, because he's not into reincarnation, but into incarnation. God became flesh and died on a cross so you and I could be saved. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so to say, when people say, oh, listen, all religions are relative and, you know, uh, you know re- religions are the same. Listen, in fact, that very thinking is vying for superiority in your life when people say that. They want to be superior by saying that. And they say you can't make a judgment between faiths. You can't make a judgment between religions. Yeah, you, you can. Because the world has judged Nazism as horrendous. Yet Hitler started out with his basis believing he was on this mission from God for the Germanic people. And that he was on this mission. Well, we don't need to be on the inside, as some people think to be able to judge that and go, no, the destruction of that was millions and millions of people's lives, both Jewish and non-Jewish. So we're going to go, what is the fruit of Christianity for those of us who are walking with God for a long time and who are working, hello, working to do, be authentic, not perfect. None of us are perfect. There's no perfect, authentic Christian or pastor. We're all, if you're aiming for that, then you begin to realize the fruit of what Jesus did. And what he means through Christianity. You know, so many people have comments about God in the Bible, don't they? I like what Billy Sunday once said. Billy Sunday was preaching and, he, and somebody yelled out at him in a meeting. And he said, well, maybe God should have waited for you to have been born and then called you in for advice. Because everybody wants to advise God rather than listen to God. When people say you can't judge between religions and things, what they're really saying is your view of religion is inferior to my view. When they're saying you can't, really, you can't make a discernment, you can't really judge that, you can't really, they're really saying, listen, you're inferior, I'm superior. And so you have to be very careful with that because immediately I gauge that with people. I'm like, okay, already you're telling me you have this superior understanding, but yet you don't know Jesus. But when you know him, everything changes. And here's, the, here's another thing. You can be a Christian for a long time and be confused. 
And I heard a great quote. You're going to like it. It's so helpful. But <laughs> back from holidays. Anyway, <laughs> listen to this. The Bible will be full of, oh, hang on. The Bible will always be full of things you cannot understand as long as you will not live according to those things you can understand. Bible will always be full of things you cannot understand as long as you will not live according to those things you can understand. So the Bible says there are Christians in church this morning, you've been saved for 20 years, you still don't get it because you're not living according to the things that you do understand. You're not living according to those. So you won't understand anything else that's coming at you. Woo, Jesus, Jesus. That's why you meet a 17-year-old and you're like, how did you get that? Where did you get that? My best friend got saved. I led him to the Lord. And then he raced past me as a Christian because he was just applying everything that he was hearing. And then he said to me, do you know the Bible means this? you know the Bible says that? And I said, who told you? I brought you to church. <laughs> who brought who? I brought you. And then he'd say, well, the Bible says this. And I'd go, well, how do you know? And he goes, well, I was praying, and I did my Bible study, and then God told me. What happened was he was applying things I was yet unwilling to. So he was understanding things I was yet to understand. Ooh. <laughs> you know, if you're on God's walk and on God's way, you're moving into something that is unnatural. If you're on God's walk, you're going God's way, you're moving into something that is unnatural to your flesh. And that's why we, ooh, we kind of lock up because the Christian life is supernatural and you're having to let go of your way for his way and it's supernatural. Remember I said at the beginning, all the scriptures, the power of God, the power of God. So, yeah, where the natural way, listen, the natural way is the broad way. That's why when you get Biblical theologians get up and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no born again experience. And they start talking about the Bible and you're like, right, <laughs> this is dead because there's no power to back it up. Yeah. So Jesus is saying, we must learn to distinguish and differentiate, discern what is real and what is, can we say faux? Faux leather jacket looks like the real thing, but isn't. They're doing really good with that now. I was looking at a jacket the other day. I could not tell it was fake. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus is saying on that day, the day of judgment, he said, everybody, you need to realize that depending on what you're building your house on, is to, the outcome will be different. Jesus is actually saying you can have two houses and they look exactly the same. The foundations look the same. They, you can be, what does that mean? You can have Christians in churches in Perth they look the same. They maybe sit in the same row. But one's building their house upon the rock, and the other one is on a completely different foundation. It's possible for people who call Jesus Lord and go to church, but actually, according to Jesus, not be saved on that day. And in this passage, Jesus is actually, he's got the people saying, hang on a minute, Lord. Lord, in actual fact, they're getting emotional. Lord, what, what do you mean? You know, we're casting out devils and da, da, da. And, and they're saying, what they're talking about is we've got all kinds of, we're doing actions, we're doing things, we're, we're spiritual. And, and then Jesus says, 
depart from me, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. What is he actually saying? Jesus saying, it's possible for you to want to have a relationship with God, but you always want it on your terms. Jesus saying, one man is building upon the rock of me and the Word of God. The other house, though they look similar, is building upon their own will. And they go to church. And Jesus says, if you're building your house upon, you want veto over His will in your life, your foundation is wrong. It's just saying, I didn't know you. I didn't, I didn't know you. You were, you were, you know, you're doing your thing. How do you know that? Because Jesus says, if we go back, I'm going to go back to the Scripture. Here we go. They say, we prophesied, Lord. We did all these things. And Jesus says, not everyone's going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, Lord, Lord, listen to this. But the one who does the will of my Father. The one who does the will of my Father. Everybody, you can be in church this morning and you're going to go, Lord, hang on a minute. I was in the 9 a.m. Most weeks. And God will say, I didn't know. You were doing your will and you wanted the power of veto all the time over my will. We want the power of veto. We are not in a real relationship with God. You, a lot of us are like, well, you know, I kind of want to be a Christian and, uh, yeah, and I want to go along with this thing. I want meaning in my life and I want a relationship and I want this. But what we do is we're like, withdraw, enter, withdraw, pull back. I am vetoing God's will all the time. And God says, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. Because if I know you, it will be because you're walking in my will. Listen, everybody. And if you're walking in God's will, if you're walking in God's will, you will know I would not always be choosing this, but nevertheless, I'm doing this. <laughs> if I still want to retain veto and I'm afraid to surrender my life to God, really? then that means I am the ones that Jesus doesn't know. How do you know if you're one of them? You ignore Christian leadership in churches? I had all the authority issues in the world, but I'm talking to mature Christians. If you've been a, hang on, I'm talking to Christians now. <laughs> Let's get that right, Christians. If you, if you walk around people, you walk around leaders that God raised up, Ephesians 4 has been working on people, 30 years, put five ministry gifts there in churches around the world and bypass for your girlfriend for a quick confirmation on God's will for your life. Listen, you may just be, but Lord, I prayed for somebody in your home group once. I think, you know, we're praying spiritual breakthrough. Lord, I don't know you. I don't know you. Because it's about, Lord, I remove the veto now. What do you want me to do? Do you remember when God said to Saul, 1 Samuel 15, God says to Saul, they were fighting the Amalekites, and God says to Saul, yeah, get rid of everything. Destroy the whole lot. The whole thing's evil. It's bad. Get rid of the whole thing. And, and Saul thinks, well, that's not very practical because there's some sheep and there's this, and I think I'll keep all of this, and I'll keep that. And he vetoes God like so many of us and says, no, God, not practical. I'll keep the sheep. I'll keep this. This is Saul. 
Then Samuel comes along in 1 Samuel 15, and Samuel goes, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Why was it a problem to God? Because God was saying to Saul, by keeping the sheep, you've kept yourself. Saul, by keeping the sheep, you've kept yourself. You are squarely in control. And so you have kept yourself, but you're losing me. It's by the grace of God, everybody, alone. And it's not by keeping the law. But this is really interesting. I haven't got time. I really want to get, I'd like to touch on this. It's so interesting. But I watch people where they have, we're a grace church. And they're like the grace and we're into grace big time. I'm into grace. We, we cannot be saved without God's grace. But I'll hear people talk about the grace, the grace of God. And I'm like, you know, I think a lot of people are using this grace as a license to veto God daily because I'm under grace. Listen, if you have the grasp of the real grace of God, listen, it leads to a surrender of your will. If you have a real grasp of the grace of God, it leads to a surrender of your will. And then you become, listen, and then you become personal with God. And God goes, I know you. And you're beginning to know me. God goes, I know you. You're becoming, the grace of God leads to a, it's the surrender of your will to God. How do you know if you're surrendered to God? You're very teachable. Very teachable. You're becoming teachable. I had to, I had, you guys have been around me for years. You know, I had so many opinions. The gospel of the opinion of Jared, Pastor Jared. Well, actually, it was the gospel of Jared. Book of Opinions, page 450. I had that many opinions. And I had to go, Lord, help me now to go by the narrow road of faith and surrender my will to you. And then when I did, I went from the natural way and the natural thinking on this side, and I went, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I can see things I never, ever had a clue to now. Now. And then guess what? Guess what happens on the na- when you go through the narrow door? Suddenly, broad is the future in front of you. God's got this wide open, spacious land. I'm like, hang on a minute. I thought if you went through the narrow, it was going to be this narrow life. God goes, no, no, no going to use you, going to use your life. Don't veto what I'm going to do, and I'm going to take you into a broad future. Enter into the green, spacious land. But I know there are Christians still, even in our service today, who you for years are still... Let's go one deeper before we go to the finish. But some people here... I could be the butcher for all you know. But you've been going to church for years. So could Pastor Spencer. People don't realize, God, I, didn't, I have not taken a job. Spencer didn't take a job. Izzy didn't take a job. We didn't take jobs. I'm not in a job. If you think I'm in a job, you're in the, you, you're, I know where you are. We were grabbed by God, called by God, and God said, I'm pulling you into spiritual ministry. I wanted to go into leadership. I was thinking about going into business. God goes, I'm pulling you here. Why? To help you into your calling and destiny. So at the end of your life, we will, you will be able to say, wow, I did the will of God. 
And God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, come on. But so many Christians bypass everybody who has sight. You're like, I don't get what he's talking about. I don't get it. I know what you're saying. It's confusing. Well, then listen, you're going to need some help through some people who've been on the path before you. So listen from, learn from me. I had to stop talking. Where's my friends? Don't raise your hand. I know you're here. I had to stop talking and say, Lord, help me now become teachable. Take your hand. But also, Lord, help me to listen to people who've gone on the journey of Christian faith who you put in place, who I treat like the butcher, a baker. Lord, help me to realize you put them there. And if I'm bypassing them, I'm one of the ones saying, Lord, Lord, I did all these things. God said, I didn't know you. Because you know who's going to heaven. I know by who's doing the will of God. (laughs) You good? I know by who's doing the will of God. Everybody, we need to have a little think, little rethink, mid-year rethink. Hang on a minute. Am I walking with the Lord or have I got something that looks like it? Am I walking with the Lord or have I got something that looks like it? Because you need to be saying, I'm doing the will of God. Because Jesus said to everybody else, I don't know you. You're doing the will of God, not having veto power over His will. No, that doesn't suit me. That doesn't suit God. That doesn't suit. God goes, I don't know you. What we need to do is, Lord, that doesn't suit, but I'm up for it. Lord, that's not working for me, but you put them there. I'm up for it. Lord, you want me to help there? I'm up to helping and serving there. And then God goes, wow, I got somebody who's beginning to know who I am. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. All right. All right, last thought. Until I see my efforts as loss, and then and only then have I built my house on the rock. We say one more time, until I see all my efforts, everybody, your efforts as loss, then and only then have I built my house on the rock. Some people think, well, yeah, but look what I did. I got the money. I'm done well. I like this comment. The fellow that has no money is poor. But the fellow, the man or woman that has nothing but money is poorer still. One's poor. But one is poorer still. Jesus is saying to us, Lord, my effort, my, my effort sort of failed. Lord, help me. Lord, I, I think I'm getting proud. God, can you help me? Lord, I've stopped listening to any accountability. I got no teachability in my life. Lord, can you help me to be become teachable? Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, I'm stopped serving your people. I stopped serving the community. Lord, I've just stopped. I'm just doing my Lord, can you please help me? Listen, that is the Christian, everybody. That is the Christian. That is the Christian. The Christian is repenting and softening their heart and realizing I need to move into a place of service. I need to move into a place of prayer. I need to be honoring those who God has placed. And you're you're soft. You're repentant. You're not, oh, pastor, it's running five minutes late. Need to go. You might be, Lord, Lord. And he's like, I didn't know, I didn't know you. Didn't know you. Didn't know you. Didn't know you. Loved you. Loved you. He loved you. But I didn't know you. We need to say, Jesus, help us. 
Help us, Lord. Father, to get the real thing. Get the real Christianity. One generation, I just watched yesterday, when Nathan put that sign up and Kerry, and all these beautiful things about that little boy turning one, I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. Look what happens when we do it your way. That, it wasn't just a natural thing. I know people can do that at parties now, and you can do it. But it wasn't just natural. I knew it was power motivated by the Holy Spirit in one generation. It was me looking on going. I looked at it, and it was anointed to me. And I know it was God saying to me, see, Jared, my love and my power is real. And even in your son's life and your daughter-in-law, they now are bringing out the restoration in your family generation that I never had. One generation. Ah. But I had to go through the narrow door. I had to go through. It's narrow, a bit harder. And then I went, oh my gosh, turn around. There's a green, huge, wide valley. Everybody, there's a green, huge, wide valley for you. But you got to go through the narrow way. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.